Welcome back to the Pesky Report. This is episode 268. We're back bringing you some more minor league talk. My name is Derek. I'm back hosting, back in hosting duties. Uh, My laptop hasn't taken a crap on me this week. I'm here with Jake and Hunter. Um, So I I, also were presented by Beyond the Monster. Got to get that out there before I forget again, Um, like that one time. And I had to say it like two or three minutes into the show. Um, but let's not waste any time because uh, I almost forgot it again. So now we're going to get past that. Um, let's dive straight into this. And I, we're going to start straight from the top at AAA. And we're also going to talk a little bit about a guy who we saw in the big leagues. Everyone saw in the big leagues uh, this past Sunday. Chris Murphy obviously had that outing against the Yankees a couple weeks ago. Also had his outing against Cleveland. He's been being, he's being used exclusive. Ex- Oh my gosh, she's I hate words don't like me. He's being used exclusively as a reliever. She's Louise. This is not a great start. Um, <laughs> he's being used exclusively as a reliever. And I think Alex Corey even said that they weren't considering him for the spot start on Friday because he's they don't see him, they only see him as a reliever now. Um, so I'll just go over to Jake first. Thoughts on Chris Murphy's outing, his weekends as a whole, and mm-hmm. how's he kind of fitting into plans now because the relief role for him seems to be working pretty well yeah i think that they found the right spot in the right area to get the most out of him as a as a as a productive pitcher um so he made one he bet he basically he had two relief outings over the course of the last week um one of them was with the Woo Sox, and one was obviously with the red Sox on sunday and during the week he once again looked great um three innings he did give up four hits and two runs, but none of them were earned in his AAA outing. He had five strikeouts and no walks. Um, so just an incredible, incredible outing there. And then he gets the call up to be the 27th man for the Red Sox on Sunday in the doubleheader. And again, just really sterling two and a, two and two thirds innings, three strikeouts, no walks, one hit. So, so you, know, you add that together that for the week, that's five and two thirds innings. Five hits, eight strikeouts, no walks, um, and just the two. Like I said, just two unearned runs in that uh, outing for the Woo Sox this week. So they have really managed to to find the right niche for him, to find the right role for him. It was a uh, I've, people we've talked about him a lot on this show and the struggles that he had in the rotation this year for the Woo Sox, um, and then. Just before the Red Sox called him up for that first outing in Cleveland, that was when the decision was made at a certain point to to move him to the bullpen, and he has stayed in the bullpen effectively full time. Um, and you know, a friend of the show, Ian Condal, posted some stuff on Twitter yesterday about how in uh, in relief his stuff has ticked up so much that he is now averaging his average fastball velocity since moving to the bullpen was 94.1. He maxed out on Sunday at almost 97 miles an hour. And just that he, his control is so much better. Again, just two walks as a reliever in 13 innings, seven, nine hits, 17 strikeouts, no, no runs as a reliever. Uh, it was a lot more walks, 25 walks in 36 innings. So they have, they've focused, they've it's 80. He's and, and also Ian has a, he's throwing 80% fastball slider mix. So he's basically, he's only mixing in the changeup a little bit, um, really focused on fastball slider. 
And when he is throwing the changeup, you can tell it's like a real change of pace. And I think like guys are having a little bit of a tough time with it because they're not expecting it. So it's making him more effective just to be a two pitch pitcher reliever. And I, I feel pretty confident in saying that it's, he's going to play a factor over the course of the next, you know, three months here into the, into, uh, um, into the end of the season, September, um, and if the Red Sox are in a playoff push, it feels like Chris Murphy's an arm that the Red Sox feel like they can rely on. And then if you look at next season and going forward, you know, they're they're going to continue to have needs for lefties in the bullpen between, you know, Joey Rodriguez just on a one year deal. Um, you know, I don't know that how much we can reasonably expect to get out of Richard Blyer. It seems like Ber- Brendan Bernardino has has carved out a, a role for himself as a lefty in the bullpen. It's it's a real possibility that either Chris Murphy could take another lefty reliever spot uh, or he could he could be the sort of designated long man out of the bullpen so um, the Red Sox worked with Murphy they worked to find the right the, the right pitch mix for him and the right role for him and he's thriving in it there's really just no there's no question about it yeah definitely and I love that you brought up the fact that with the lefties in the bullpen that you know he will have a role I mean I looked at this situation actually before he came on. I was looking towards 2024 with Murphy and being like, he has a spot on this team. Uh, I think Jolly Rodriguez has a player option. Oh, sorry. I think he has a team option or a player option or something. Uh, I think Blyer has a team option. I think they both have team options, actually. So I think the Red Sox might not probably don't have both of them back next year. As of right now, Chris Murphy can really be a lefty that you can project for next year. And even at points later this year to be a, probably their most important lefty out of the bullpen. Hunter, your thoughts on, on Murphy's, you know, another really good outing. Yeah. Um, Again, I kind of touched on it last week. Uh, It's not, to me, it's not like a knock on someone. I don't think it's a demotion or anything to say that someone's stuff just plays better out of the bullpen. I think like Jake touched on, uh, he's the, the fastball, him being able to just focus fastball slider has made him so much better because, as a starter, you can't go out there and throw two pitches. You're gonna get you're gonna get crushed. But if you're throwing three innings tops, you can really just heavily rely on two pitches. Throw in the changeup, maybe even throw in the curveball every once in a while, just to keep hitters off balance. And I don't like player comparisons personally because I think it sets players up for failure. Uh, it sets it sets unrealistic like standards for a player uh, when a fan hears like, oh. It was to me, it was something that you saw, like with Sadon Raphael, a lot is people randomly started saying, Oh, it's Mookie Betts because he was a short guy with power and speed who played the outfield and the infield. And it, oh, it's Mookie Betts. Uh, and so I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not comparing him to him, I just kind of see a similarity in career path. Uh, I'm going to throw out a name, Andrew Miller. When he first got uh, brought up to the majors, he was a starter, the Red Sox tried him as a starter terrible control problems uh it was causing serious issues you were I, I remember being in florida visiting my grandfather and he would always watch the games if they weren't on tv he would watch them just on gamecast and we'd just sit in front of his computer watching games on gamecast and i remember distinctly sitting in his little cubby where he had his computer next to his bed and we would watch the starts and you would be lucky if andrew miller would go two and two thirds innings and he would have five walks and he would yeah, uh, it, it would it would just it always got ugly, and that was kind of something you saw with Murph in AAA this year was he was going short and he was giving up a lot of walks and it led to issues with him, and they moved him to the bullpen and you kind of see those 
uh, control issues start to diminish a lot because, again, I think it has a lot to do with him just getting to focus on the pitches that he's best with. He doesn't have to try to mix in other things. Uh, he gets to really just – that added velocity means he can throw the fastball more often and not worry about it getting hit. Instead of throwing 91, you're now throwing 95. That makes a massive difference. Uh, so I could see him being someone that, like an Andrew Miller, the move to the bullpen could turn him from this, like, he could be a starter, he has the stuff, but there's issues, to, hey, this guy could be a devastating weapon out of the bullpen. And uh, obviously, it's a very small sample size at this part at this point, but he hasn't given up an earned run out of the bullpen this year between AAA and the majors. That's That's got to count for something. Uh two stellar outings with the, with the Red Sox uh, in the majors, despite both of them being kind of like him knowing, Hey, you're getting called up. You're going to get sent back back down the next day. Like he, both times he's been called up. That's kind of been like a thing like, Hey, you're, you're not going to be here for long. So the fact that he could go out there both times without being with the team for a while, without knowing, you know, the catching situation, without being used to the players and go out there, dominate and then head back to Worcester. And it's not an issue for him. Uh, I think that really shows a, a mental part of the game too. So he's someone that I do think, uh, like Jake said, he's going to factor in this year. And as both of you touched on, I think he's got a high chance of being one of the lefties out of the bullpen to start next year. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, like a move to the bullpen isn't necessarily a demotion. I mean, each team is 30 teams, five starters do the math. What's up? 150 guys like, or my math might be wrong on that. I don't know. I'm doing it off the top of my head. Um, You're right. But yeah. but yeah, so there's only 150 people who crack can crack a starting rotation in the big leagues. Yeah. Of how many people on the planet? Like, there's only so many guys that can do it. Some guys end up going into the bullpen, and it works out for some guys, right? And it seems like it's working out for Chris Murphy. And I think that's the important yeah. thing. You know, if it's working out for him, it's not necessarily demotion. Because if he's pitching really well, does it really matter where he's? Yeah, where it is if he's at his best. Um, yeah, and but- just just to just to confirm, so Rodriguez and Blyer both do have player options for next year, and they have like fairly minimal buyouts. I think that Joe uh, Rodriguez's was five hundred k, and Blyer's this was two hundred fifty k. So I, at this point, I don't really see either of those options getting picked up. So. Um, the likeliest scenario would be Rodriguez comes back as health and is healthy and kind of just, you know, blows everyone's doors off. Even, even then it still is a four, it's a four and a quarter million dollar team option for next year. And he's only making one five this year. So I would be pretty surprised if the Red Sox picked that up no matter yeah. what, just especially because of the emergence of like, we talked to, I talked about Ber- uh, Bernardino Bernadino, a little bit yeah. and also Murphy who was already on the 40 and is, is getting big league hitters out. So, yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to move on to the actual AAA now, the actual, you know, quote-unquote minor leagues if we want to. This is a minor league show, but we felt Chris Murphy enough importance to talk about um, because he is still related to the minor league, still part of the farm system. Um, but I'll hand it right back to Jake. Um, who's someone this? Who's someone who impressed you this week in AAA? So I, I think that I feel like I bring him up all the time, but I mean, Dro- Shane Drohan, we have to talk about his start against the Nor- against the Norfolk uh, lineup. They went to Virginia. They went down to Virginia to play Norfolk. That's the Orioles AAA affiliate uh, this past week. And, you know, in case you've been living under a rock, the Orioles have the best farm system in baseball. Um, 
and they have they're just completely loaded at every level and there's no question that in uh in in triple a in triple a they have that so the top of their lineup the game that drohan pitched i think it was on friday uh where he was matched up against grayson rodriguez actually um who is you know again one of the best pitching prospects <laughs> in baseball but they have basically the top of their lineup was uh was Con- i don't gonna i don't know what the order was but it was basically connor norby um jordan westberg and someone else i can't remember who um and you know colton Kowser wasn't he because he's because he hits lefty he wasn't even in their lineup and i mean colton Kowser is definitely one of the one of the better hitting prospects in baseball um and so drohan went out there and did a really nice job against that team not like uh you know well, i would say you know pretty much every time out it seems like he, he's having his best you know it's it's his best start um with with the with the Woosocks his best triple a start um and in this one he went uh he had six six innings six hits three earned runs he did give up two homers but he had seven strikeouts and one walk um and the whole and he so he gave up a home run in his last inning in the sixth inning that was like Basically, it was just like a lazy fly ball. Oh, Heston Kerstad was the other one. Who was I, hitting. I so was just looking that yeah. up. So it was it was Con- there, the top three other order was Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, and Heston Kerstad. You could like, throw Daz Cameron in there at four. Right, and Daz Cameron, who is you know he's not a prospect really anymore. He's been around for a long time, but I mean he's a quality player. And like I said, Colton Kowser wasn't even in their lineup, so he did a great. And so like, and I think he gave up a home run to Daz in like the first inning or something like that. But then. Like he gave up a home run uh, in the sixth, and it was basically like a lazy fly ball that just like went 318 feet and carried over the fence. Like it would have been out in a lot of other parks. Um, so that was like, and that kind of was similar to the game I saw Drohan, where he kind of just like tired a little bit in the in the last inning. I'm not even sure that's what happened this time with Drohan, but um, so again, he's he is doing he is getting a little bit better with every start in AAA, and. You know, I I think that there may have been a consideration possibly for Drohan to come up at some point here soon with with Hauk, Tanner Houck being injured and he's going to be on the IL for a while. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen necessarily. I, I think there's a, probably a better chance that Drohan just sticks the rest of the year in in Worcester. Maybe an opportunity presents itself for him to come up, but um the signs are there that after that sort of really rough first couple of outings that Drohan has just consistently gotten better. He's doing, he's pitching well against really good competition. Like I said, a, a stacked pro- lineup of prospects, you know, the game I saw him in Worcester, he was against a lot of guys with a lot of big league experience and did pretty well against them. So good steps for Shane Drohan, the kind of stuff that you want to see. And uh, hopefully he's going to continue that going forward. Also my notice to Red Sox Twitter um, when it comes to jo- Drohan, Whenever it's about a starting pitcher need to come up to make a spot start, can we not only mention Joanne? Like, can we give him time to get some AAA innings under his belt first? Let him continue to develop. Every time someone throws out the name Johan because he's risen up, his 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 stock has risen up, and it's like chillax. Like he's- I think people are excited. You know, it's, it's interesting because yes. like the good thing about this Red Sox season is that the Red Sox have finally developed starting pitching they've brought they've they have you know whether it was you know tanner hauk who was drafted or or 
uh, Brian Bayo, who is an international signing, or Garrett Whitlock, who is a Rule 5 pick. Like the Red Sox have not had to go out and give up major assets to, to, to have starting pitchers. So I think there's excitement with Johan because he could be the next one. It's like, ooh, like this guy's taking a big step forward this year. I don't blame people for being excited, but I also just think like the guy was, you know, like this time last year, I'm pretty sure he was in he was in Greenville, right? So yeah. like let's yeah. yeah, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Pump the brakes a little bit. Don't not there's nothing wrong being excited about the, a guy. Like there's not absolutely yeah. nothing there's wrong just, with this. Just other guys, just, like you know. Yeah, just like slow down a little bit like let let him take his time and don't you know we don't we don't want to see a guy rushed and then just yeah because we all know if if he went out there and didn't pitch good then all of a sudden a lot of those people hyping him up would be like oh what was everybody so excited for yep exactly so that's my one thing the red sox tour chillax you'll see him when you see him if you really want to see him badly watch the game watch the woo Sox games (laughs) (laughs) um i'll real quickly I'll 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 take a i'll take a guy i'll take it Pretty easy pick here for me. Uh, Real Gomez, just because the fact that we talk about Chris Murphy moving from starter to reliever, Real Gomez has moved from reliever to starter and his move up to AAA. And this past week, he started in five innings, uh, two runs, eight strikeouts, and no walks. I mean, like, you're talking about a guy who I don't know if he's ever started in the minor leagues before this year, but I, I don't know off the top of my head if he has. I think um, he just made a couple like like a couple you know, spot openers starts, where like, yeah openers, where he gets like three yeah. innings yeah yeah exactly but he had but like hadn't really gone like five innings yeah. into a game as like a starter and the fact that he's doing it in AAA it's really interesting because he's a guy where I know like I I find it hard to feel like what's the read on him because he was a reliever now he's starting but he's like now going deep into games and not just going three innings like he did in his first couple starts in AAA, but he's been pitching well as a starter. Yeah. So where he goes is very interesting, in my opinion, because, you know, friend of the show, Rio Gomez, obviously. Um, so, I mean, hey, being if, if you're a prospect, you want to come on the Pesky Report, get that Pesky Report bump. It is a true thing. Come, We're, we'll, we're more than happy to talk to you, give you a little bit of a bump. Um but it, it is very interesting because, you know, where does he fit in with the AAA guys? And there's talk of, you know, AAA rotation do have a, does have a couple injuries, but like a Brian Matta and his potential move to the bullpen if that happens. Murphy's been moved to the bullpen, right? So there, there have been some starters moving to the pen. Where, Rio Gomez, obviously, they do have some starters in AA that could eventually get called up to AAA. Maybe that moves Gomez back to the pen, but... If he's pitching well, do you move him back to the pen? I yeah. don't know if you do. And that's the thing with him where it feels like he's been used like a, like a Swiss Army knife almost. Just like, oh, yep, we need a starter. Uh, we trust you. Go out there. Start for us in AAA. And it's been working. Yeah. And like that's the thing where he's just made himself like the guy where like, oh, we need someone to do this on this day. Go to Rio Gomez. We, we, he can do it. He'll figure it out. We need him to start. He'll figure it out. We need him to come in as a reliever late in the game. He'll he can do that too. Um, so he's just very interesting in that sense where he's had success doing starting and now going five innings in. It's very interesting to see what how he continues to start in the coming weeks and how long he stays as a starter, depending on promotions and whatever. Um, but I think for him, have, going five innings deep. It shows showing that he can do it, just makes him more versatile and gives himself more value in terms of, you know, maybe not this year, but at some point, maybe next year, whoever threats us need a spot start or whatever, you, you know, you can use him. Or if you need a reliever, you know, you can use him. He's a guy who 
is just giving himself more options to get to the big leagues, which is nice to see. And yeah. he's having success at pretty much every spot they put him in, uh, which I don't think he can complain about. Yeah, and that uh, that pesky report bump worked already this year with uh, Christopher Troy. I, what was that like a week and a half after he talked to us? He got promoted to double exactly. A. So come on the show, and good things will happen. Yeah, and he just had three shutout innings this week. So you know, yeah, uh, Hunter, who's your guy for in AAA? Who's really, uh, uh, impressing you? Yeah, I do want to just quickly throw out uh, Ryan Fernandez. Got promoted to AAA, made his debut, perfect inning, one strikeout only through 11 pitches. Uh, so he's definitely someone to keep an eye on because he's someone that uh, fan, uh, people within the system and people like Sox prospects, people that follow the system have been really high on him for a couple of years now, uh, despite the fact that the numbers were never anything like crazy. Most of the time, like I, uh, they were, they were always those like good underlying numbers, but like the surface numbers never looked all that crazy. Uh, and he's really shot through the system this year, uh, came back from injury and it's just dominated. But uh, I do want to – the big one I want to mention is Ronaldo Hernandez. Uh, right-handed hitting catcher, but doesn't really catch much. He literally, if you go to Worcester's like stat page right now, they even just have him listed as DH. It doesn't even say catcher next to his name. Uh, but he's kind of in that same boat as Jorge Alfaro in that sense. And ever since Alfaro left, Ronaldo Hernandez has been – it seems like – he realizes that, hey, there's one less guy in front of me. Maybe I can make my, maybe I can make a little path for myself here because he's been absurd. Uh, he's slashing 240, 322, 496 on the season with nine homers and 35 RBIs. But in the month of June, he is 14 for 45, which is 311, with five of those nine homers and 19 of those 35 RBIs, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I can't, I've, I'm pretty sure he has multiple like four or five RBI games this month. Uh, every game, it seems like he's getting an RBI. Every other game is two RBIs. Um, he's, he came over a couple of years ago in, uh, from a trade with the Rays. Uh, it was him and, and Nick Sogard. And at the time, Ronaldo Hernandez was a pretty highly regarded prospect. Uh, he was a uh, hitting first catcher with a fantastic arm. And the – Defense never really came around, but the hitting has kind of like shown signs. And something that I think is important this year is that 322 on base percentage, 240 batting average, 322 on base percentage. A big issue with him the first few years with the Red Sox in the Red Sox system, he was drawing, he had like 12 walks and, and 13 walks. And he's I, I, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he's all of a sudden walking every other at bat, but the fact that there's a, uh, an actual difference between his batting average and his on-base percentage, as opposed to other years where it was like, oh, he hit 256 with a 270 on-base percentage. Like there was barely any difference. So it seems like he's starting to, uh, you know, take some take some more pitches, and it's not hurting his production. Uh, nine home runs in in three months of baseball and five in 19 days this month is is impressive. Um, so. The Red Sox, uh, you know, the, that's something that gets brought up a lot is their their catching situation in the minor leagues. And I don't know if Hernandez will ever be a catcher in the majors. Uh, I do think he's someone that if he were to get called up, you would at least have him with that option of like, hey, he can catch a game or two here or there if needed. Um, I like I, I think it's kind of in that same boat of Jorge Alfaro where it's like, He'll be on the roster, but he's probably going to be DHing most days. But it's in your back pocket if you need a catcher. Uh, and 
there's still a long way to go with him, I think, um, in terms of production. Like, this is a, a great hot streak, but before this, he was he was barely hitting 200. Um, so you kind of want to see if he can sustain. I, I don't expect him to continue to hit like this the whole year, but if he can bump his average up a little more, keep taking some walks, keep hitting some home runs, uh, he is someone I think that could kind of sneak his way onto the roster late in the season if needed. Uh, I don't think he's going to supplant anyone at this moment, but if for whatever reason they need a catcher, there's really not a lot of options for them at the moment. You have uh, Hernandez, Caleb Hamilton, and Steven Scott in triple in A, and Scott just got to triple A. I'm assuming that they're going to give him some time there. I can't imagine they'll jump the gun with him too quickly. Uh, so I think that there's a chance that Hernandez is that next guy up, uh, especially with the way he's been playing now. So if he can keep this up, it's only going to be a positive for him. And also a guy who Ronaldo Hernandez, uh, Ronaldo Hernandez used to be on the 40-man roster too. So there's clearly a guy there. It's just what can you get out of him? Yeah. We know we can hit defensively at catcher. It's, you know, it's a little bit similar to Jorge Alfaro. Defensively, yeah. it's not really going to be much. But like you said, it's in his back pocket if you absolutely need it. But if the bat can play – He's he can he can get himself a roster spot just with that bat. Um, but we'll now take a trip. Uh, go from Worcester. We'll go up to Portland here, or down to Portland technically in terms of levels, but up to Portland in terms of location uh, on a map because uh, we're going to talk about the Portland Sea Dogs and moving to Double A. Uh, and our, I think our feature guy we have to talk about is Sedan Rafaela. Just I mean, probably the most electric player in the minor leagues, at least in the Red Sox system, at the very least. Um, had a very good week this week. Went 10 for 25, four doubles, um, four only four strikeouts this week, two walks, and he also stole three bases just and defensively, just gold glove center fielder basically already. Um, it's outrageous. Um, highlight plays basically every day. Jake, your thoughts on Rafael this week? Yeah, I mean, so we're getting to the point now with Rafaela where there's not a, I don't know how much more he needs to accomplish in triple or in double a before he would get moved up to triple a. And he now is over 500 career at bats in, in triple a in, in, sorry, in double a, um, you know, he's at, and, and even like plate appearances, he's at, uh, if I can do math quickly, he's at 500 565 plate appearances in double a that is, you know, that's a, that's a a lot. Um, And over the course of the last few weeks, he has really, really pushed himself up a level in terms of his plate discipline, his, his awareness, his swing decisions. Um, So let, so uh, we're recording this Monday. So it was Thursday of last week that um, Alex Spear put out his weekly Miley column and the focus of it was on Raffaella. And there were some very interesting things in terms of his, in terms of his development that they, uh, that the Red Sox have worked on with him. Uh, you know, there was one really interesting anecdote in that where in spring training when they were just, and I don't think this happened during like regular season games, but in spring training, they told him sometimes like, okay, sit on, you can only swing once per at bat in this game or whatever. 
um, really trying to work with him on on those decisions. And we we saw at first like the first, you know, and again, it's in Spears piece about the first 26 games. He was just had a 263 on base, 25 percent strikeout rate, 4 percent walk rate. But that has really, you know, flipped. Um, and going into Thursday of last week, he had flipped that where he was hitting 337, you know, with a 3 388 on base in a 26 game streak. And he cut down the strikeout percentage to 15 percent from 24 percent. Uh, and had an 8% walk rate in that stretch. And just, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of Brian Abraham, like I, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the discussion about like, what is he going to do and when he's, where is he going next? Brian Abraham said, and this is just a good direct quote from the article, his training off the field has been great. He's been consistent. He's worked his butt off. He's very aware of who he is and where he needs to go uh, to have more success at the upper levels. He's certainly pushing. He's starting to show that he's close to being ready for it. Um, so that tells me that he's probably pretty close to being to being moved up to Worcester. And uh, I think that would be a good thing for a lot of different reasons. Get him a taste of, of AAA for the rest of the season. Get him a more exposure to AA pitching or AAA pitching. I think that he's continued to really, uh, you know, he's just improved as the year has gone on. The defense has been there. You know, it's it's not going away. It's not gonna it's not gonna go away. He's continuing to make great plays. Um, he made a pretty incredible play at shortstop this week. I'm sure he's gonna continue to get time at shortstop. Moving Rafaela up would would also make it so that Marcelo Meyer could uh, realistically could play six days a week at shortstop. Also, so I think there's a lot of benefits to moving him up. I think it's better for him to face better competition. He's clearly his has he's had enough at bats at double A. And clearly I think that he's shown that he's taken the direction that the Red Sox wanted him to take so that he could, you know, prove prove his worth. Do we do we think that he's gonna be a you know a high on base guy in the big leagues and he's you know, is he gonna probably still be a twenty to twenty five percent strikeout rate guy? Probably, but if the decisions improve a little bit and he is showing a little bit more patience and a little bit more of all those things. And he is a surefire big leader. Derek, you've talked about this a lot on the show about a guy having a low floor. And that's what uh, Rafaela has is he has a low floor as a big leaguer. And maybe he is only like a Jose Siri type kind of player, but there's a lot of value in that. And the Red Sox are trying to build their team that way to have those types of guys who can do things. And uh, we've also definitely seen with the Red Sox this year, how important uh, defense is. So Rafaela will be a welcome addition to the team whenever he arrives. And the more that he can do with the bat, um, is 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 uh, a bonus ultimately and so his next next test is doing it at triple a level and hopefully that's going to happen soon i do find it hilarious you bring up jose siri um and he's now at the rays rumors there were rumors last trade deadline red sox were interested in him so just you know they clearly value center field defense and and rafaela whenever he reaches the big leagues you're getting an elite defensive center fielder i mean you see teams around the league where it's just like, can, can you play center field? Yes. Can you hit? Actually, we don't care if you hit. If you're playing elite defense in center field, you have a spot on this team. And I feel like at the very least, Rafael has got a spot on a team because of his defense. Just, his defense is just that good where he at the very least has a spot on a team. And then the offense will determine his ceiling, obviously, and what that ceiling looks like. But 
to, to have that kind of floor where it's not just like – some guys have a floor of maybe they'll reach the big leagues, maybe not. Rafael is floor at the very bare minimum. is like at the very bare minimum is an up and got down kind of guy. But I think even at worst because he can play the infield and the outfield, at the very worst, a utility bench guy because of his defense. And that's something that yeah. not a lot of guys have, that level of defense and then the ability to play defense at – good defense at multiple different positions, infield and outfield. Uh, Hunter, your thoughts on Rafael this week and potentially getting closer to AAA? Yeah, I think uh, Jake pointed out he made a spectacular play at shortstop this week, and I think that that's something that it shows where the Red Sox view him, the fact that Marcelo Meyer got called up to AA and they still said, hey, we're still going to get Rafael of that weekly game at shortstop. Uh, I think that that shows that they want to keep him used there because I think they like the idea of him being able to play center field shortstop. And I think when he does get that call to AAA, which I can't imagine is going to be anywhere past July 1st, I, it would shock me if he wasn't in AAA by the, the beginning of July. Um, I think he might get even more time there. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of shifted to two games a week or at least two games every once in a while at shortstop. Um especially with that being a position in the majors right now that is a little iffy with the injuries and everything. Uh, Pablo Reyes has been awesome. but um, And Jake, you also mentioned uh, strikeout rate, and that's something I've seen with him a lot is when I'll post something about him. I get a lot of questions about like, oh, yeah, I heard he has strikeout problems, though. And I feel like that's a, a common misconception with, say, on Rafael. He's got elite bat the ball skills. It's just uh, the, the – uh, decision-making because I've seen a lot of people say like, oh yeah, but what's with the swing and miss? It's not a swing and miss issue. It's that sometimes he decides to, to swing at a pitch in the dirt and he grounds it to the pitcher. He has a 19.4% strikeout rate this year. That's really good. Like that's not a bad number, um, especially for someone that tends to, to swing at bad pitches. And we see it a lot with him. Uh, he likes jumping on a first pitch and, uh, I'm pretty sure he did it multiple times this week where he let off a game with a first pitch single or first pitch double, uh, literally first pitch of the game. And that's something that uh, I think kind of shows he gets into the box ready to go. And if a pitcher throws him a mistake pitch, very rarely to say on Rafael and not punish them for it. Um, and again, something uh, that I think is overlooked with him is how fast he is. I think that speed, I think kind of because you have, uh, especially someone like David Hamilton, Corey Rozier's on his team. Uh, Abram Liendo is in single A with 27 steals. Uh, and, but then there's Sadon Rafael, who leads double A and the entirety of Red Sox system with 30 steals this year. Uh, he had a double this week that was just a ground ball to the center fielder, and he just went to second and got a double. Um, and that's something that I think you see from five other players in the Red Sox entire system. Um so that's kind of something that, again, talks to even if that on-base percentage is never insanely high, that's just another thing where he had a bunt single this week. If he wants to, he could just lay down a bunt every once in a while, you know, and cause havoc. Um, it's, it's gotten to the point in double A, he's got a, a 297, 337, 435 slash line. That's phenomenal. Uh, especially considering he started off so slow. Uh, we were, we were a month into the season. We were two weeks into the season. We were talking about, I think he had a 214, 214, 214 slash line. And then a month into the season, it was, I'll oh, say Rafael is hitting 230 with 
one homer or with no homers and three doubles. Is there something wrong with him? Uh, so the fact that a month and a half later and he's got that slash line should show you how ridiculous he's been. Uh, he had a long hitting streak broken up because he went 0 for 1 in a game where he pinch hit. I'm pretty sure he's had a hit in every game since then. So if it wasn't for that one game, he would be on like a 21 game hitting streak or something ridiculous. Uh, it's it's gotten to the point, I think, where there's really not much left for him to do at the level. I know you could still point out that he needs to work on those swing and misses, but he's not really being challenged at double A at the moment. And I think that calling him up much sooner rather than later is going to do him good. It's going to do double uh, A good. I think it's going to do play do players at different levels good because I think then you can call up Blaze Jordan. Uh, I know that they don't play the same position, but then you can kind of jumble people around, get Blaze Jordan and double A where he desperately needs to be. Uh, so I'm I'm going to throw it out there and say, if not this week, before July 1st, say on Rafael's playing in Worcester. So maybe get your tickets now before the prices jump up a little bit. And if you're thinking about going to Portland, try to get there this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, the last thing I'll add with, with Rafael, it, it's just like I said this earlier this season. It's like for a guy who's as young as he is, trying to tell him like even on pitches that he swings at and he it's like it's a pitcher in the dirt, but like he still swings and gets a base hit. And it's like and you're telling him to stop swinging at it. And it's like a lot of young players are just like, well, I just got a base hit, though. <laughs> Like, and I just got on base. It's like, you want me to stop? Like, I just, like, what do you mean? I just got a hit. But for him to, you know, for swing to, for him, his real growth is going to be, although I can still get a hit by swinging at that pitch, I'm going to lay off because I know that's not a good pitch to swing at. That's the maturity for him that's going to really show. That's the real growth that I think the Red Sox are looking to see from him. Yeah. Um, and I think we're getting more of that, right? It's, it's, not, it's not at a place where, like, he's – Juan Soto and a pitch is an inch off the plate and he just isn't going to swing at it. Like he's not there, but I mean, who is actually there? It's one guy. And that's why Juan Soto, that's why the Nationals offered him 450 million, right? Because he's Juan Soto. Um, so I think for Rafael, just to continue to him to grow. And I think, I, I think I agree. I think all of the three of us agree. He should be in triple eight sometime soon. Um, but sticking with the double A roster, I'll hand it back to Jake. Uh, who's someone who impressed you this week in double A? So I, I want to talk about uh, Nathan Hickey um, seven for six for 17 over the week, hit two more homers uh, for the week. He slashed three fifty three four twenty one seven Oh six for a 1.127 OPS um, four runs batted in six, six runs scored. So for the season now between the two levels, uh, this is going into you know, this is through play on Sunday. He has 10 homers in 41 games. He is hitting 291 with a 377 on base, a 563 slugging percentage, and OPS. He, there is, you know, a bit of a split between double A or between high A and double A. You know, his OPS split is, you know, per, you know, it's about 100 points, but it's still. You know, he's still hitting really well. It's still, you know, it's a 355 on base and a f- uh, 542 slugging in Portland. And he has six home runs, you know, in 23 games as opposed to four homers in 18 games. So the the questions about Hickey just are still going to be about his defense behind the plate. 
And I think that what's been very clear is that the guy can really, really hit. And I don't know long-term what the role is going to be for Hickey. He, uh, if the guy can catch and he can hit like this, then he's a star level player. But I think that, uh, there's going to be a role for him somewhere in the big leagues. Um, whether or not it's with the Red Sox, I don't know. He's another, if he can't stick behind the plate, then he's another sort of left-handed corner guy. And I don't know how many of those guys the Red Sox need or have basically carry because legitimately right now you could say that all four of those spots, the corner spots are all held by left-handed hitters for the Red Sox. And they're all, if they, the Red Sox can sign Alex Verdugo to a long-term contract. And I don't think David Higgins going to play right field with Fenway anyway, but um, I think, I don't know. I, I think that Hickey is somebody that you might look at and say, they, they give him more time behind the plate this year. Maybe next year he, he moves up to Worcester. Um, he seems like a guy to me that might have more value to another organization, but um, it all depends on the glove. And if the glove, if you just, they're, they're obviously they're continuing to put him out there at catcher. They've opened up more time for him with moving Steven Scott up to triple a, um, We'll see what happens, but we know that the the bat is a hundred percent there, and it seems like it's going to continue to be there, and it's 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 an exciting thing. He to be did. Fair, uh, Gary Sanchez is still catching in the big leagues, and I fair. thought he wasn't going to be catching. Well, after I mean, Gary San. There are some things that behind the plate that Gary Sanchez can do pretty well. Like he he can throw guys. Oh well, yeah, still. Nathan Hickey did throw still. someone out on Sunday. Yes, he fair. did, and he <laughs> okay. stole a base this week too. So yeah, net, that? that's a net plus two. Yeah. Uh, we're not concluding that any other times that these guys may have stolen a base against them. We're only counting those two good <laughs> things that he did. All right, uh, Hunter, who's someone who uh, stood out to you this week? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of mentioned him when I was talking about Sedan uh, Rafael, but I want to bring up Corey Rogier again because it seems like every time he goes on even the slightest bit of like a, oh, two games without he just continues to find it like he's it's where midway through June now and he's still slashing 309 356 444 I feel like uh he's been like the most consistent bat on the team there's I don't know if there's been a point this season where he's been hitting under like 290 even um he's he had a game this week where he had four hits he had three doubles uh and he's up to 12 doubles two triples two home runs now He's driven in 18 runs, 28, uh, 28 runs scored, and he has 26 steals. Um, one of the fastest guys in the system. And to me, that big thing, though, was that four-hit game because I guess it's a knock on him, you could say, is a lot of his hits were bunts or infield in, in singles that because of his ridiculous speed, he was, I mean, he was legitimately getting hits that he was hitting to the right side of the infield. He was hitting a ground ball to the second baseman and getting a hit. So you could argue that speed plays, but, uh, you know, how sustainable is someone continuously getting roller ground balls to second base? Is that going to be something that he can carry to the next level? And uh, in that game, three doubles, obviously, uh, he was hitting the ball well on those. And the, even the single was a, a hard hit line drive to the outfield. Um, he 
and and obviously that's just one game, but to me it shows that he can do other things. He's not just a, a bunt merchant. Um, and he's in a weird spot where he's a left-handed hitting outfielder. Uh, I think he's solid defensively. He's got a really good arm. Uh, obviously he has the speed, but that's kind of a position that the Red Sox really aren't worried about right now. Um, so, and there's guys in now he's injured right now, but there's guys in AAA like Weiler or Brayu who are obviously on higher on the depth chart than him. But I think that Corey Rogier's really since coming over last year has really cemented himself as someone that could be a valuable piece. Uh, and I think this year, all he's done is raise his stock even more. And I think that uh, obviously Sadon Rafaela deserves a promotion now, but I think that Corey Rozier is really not that far behind him. I don't know if he'll get it because um, he doesn't have as many at bats as Rafaela in double a, and he's not as high up on the food chain, but if they want to keep moving these guys around and they've been extremely aggressive with promotions this year, which is awesome to see. Uh, but it's going to keep getting to that point where you have these log jams and Rogier someone that's been playing so well that I could see him at some point, at least getting a shot in triple a this year. And again, with that speed, it's something that it, at every level, the speed's the same, like, going from triple A to or double A to triple A, triple A to the majors doesn't all of a sudden make you not fast anymore. Uh, so that's one of those things that good speed, good defense makes him valuable. And uh, the fact that he's kind of starting to show, I'm not going to sit here and say he's showing this crazy power or anything, but he's showing that he could put the ball in the air. He can hit the ball a little bit harder uh, and get those extra base hits every once in a while adds a little bit to his game. So he's someone that had a, uh, another good week. It's just something every week I feel like I could talk about him if I wanted to because I, I can't really think of a week where you would look at his numbers and it was, oh, Corey Rozier went one for 19 this week. I, I'd be shocked if he did that. Um, so he's he's continuously been on my radar this year and just keeps he just keeps hitting. Yeah, definitely. I think it's unfortunate because I have a hitter written down that I want to talk about. So we're gonna we're not gonna talk. We haven't talked about pitching in Double A in Portland. It's a little bit sad. Um, so I'll just quickly mention Sterling, uh, Sterling Sharp and Brian Van Belly both had a good starts this week. Um, I want to talk about Nico Cavadas because he is like Mister Three True Outcome, like definition of three true. Like his numbers this year. Um, <laughs> it's kind of stupid. Uh, he's walking twenty one percent of the time, which great for him. So yeah. still striking out 38% of the time, and that's a big no-no. Um, that's a lot of strikeouts. Um, however, at the same time, he's got 12 home runs. So I, I think what he probably put together, he's probably a uh, strikeout walk or home run probably in like 75% of his plate appearances or something outrageous. It's so wild. Uh, I didn't know that was possible, but it, it, I guess it is. Um, but, like, he's been very good so far. He's been very good in terms of, like, like when you just look at the numbers, yes, he's only hitting 224, uh, but that 398 on base percentage. So, hey, you talk, want to talk about on base percentage. Cavadas at least is giving you that. He's got a 460 slugging uh, so far in double A, whereas last year in his 25 games in double A, he had a 333 slugging. Uh, he's got an 858 OPS. But since the start of May, he's hitting 235 with a 401 on base and a 571 slugging for a 973 OPS and all 12 of his home runs have come since May 1st. 
Um, so he's a guy who, albeit still, I think it's 64 strikeouts in 37 games since the start of uh, May, for, since the start of May, so it's still a boatload of strikeouts. But it's clear that he's getting on base and hitting for power. And I mean, for a guy who's pro- probably a DH type uh, and definitely a three-true outcome guy, yeah, he's going to strike out. Would you like to see him strike out less than 38% of the time? Definitely. But if you want to see someone – if you want to go watch someone hit the ball 450 feet whenever they just make contact with it and get on base a lot, Nico Cavadas is your guy. Yeah. I, I have to throw out, I mean, another issue with him is that he has like a, a Grand Canyon-sized platoon split. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that's he's, he has, he's four for 46 against left-handed pitchers this year. He is like the, the – his, his on-base versus right-handed pitchers is 461. So he gets on base forty six percent of the time against right handed pitchers, but against lefties, it's well, he has a one eighty nine on base. So um, I think Cavadas, there's there's value in in his bat, in his ability to be patient and hit right handed pitching. But I think that like it's will be very hard for, um, you know, you you just it's gonna be, it's like Emmanuel Valdez is in a, feels like is in a similar spot where it's just like yeah you can carry him on your big league roster, but you have to have handed compliment yes the the bat ha- is going to really have to carry for Cavadas, and maybe it maybe it will like i mean it's just those are just the platoon splits are just unreal but yeah um, i did see you know. i did see a nico Cavadas home run live and it's absolutely majestic yeah uh but and you were saying like the bat has to carry which is very true uh and like 88 strikeouts is is bad 224 batting average isn't great but if i told you just without any other context if i told you hey Here's a first baseman in double A with a 400 on base percentage and 12 home runs. You'd probably be really excited to be fair. Yeah. It's I mean, he's going to face more runs than lefties issues. anyway, but yeah. 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 It's so, so there's something there for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, like, yes, he doesn't have the highest ceiling there. That's totally clear. But at the same time, like I think like he eventually could find himself on a big league roster, whether that's with the White Sox, who the heck knows. I know there are teams that play platoons, a heck of a lot more like the San Francisco Giants just throwing a team out there that loves their platoon matchups um, and the Giants. And it feels like they have like they literally just their bench is just four guys who are handicapped to four guys in their lineup to just platoon with. That's how I feel like the Giants have been the last few years. Uh, like so there's there's probably a team who at some point if Cavadas continues to develop, whether it's the Red Sox or somewhere else, where he'll find a spot on a big league team eventually. Um, if, if he continues to develop, I mean, he might strike out 50% of the time in the big leagues, but he might get on base the other 50% of the time too. Who knows? Um, that, that, like, that's the thing with him. Strike, he strikes out a ton, but if you're looking for on base percentage with power and a patient approach to the plate, he does give in working defense accounts. I mean, he's giving that to you because he's walking and striking out a com- combined like 60% of the time. So He's not just seeing one pitch and letting it rip. He's at least working himself into counts, which for some people, a little bit more old school people, is worth something uh, just, you know, in terms of getting the pitch count up. Uh, But he's got bat first guy, bat needs to carry. But depending on how it works out for him, he will have a future somewhere as long as he continues to develop. Um, I I think that's a good spot to wrap up on double A. And now we're going to just take the uh, trip to high a we're going to greenville now uh so everyone's gonna get on their bus go to greenville here 
Um, and we're going to touch on Greenville. We're going to focus again on a hitter. I mean, we also talked about their whole entire rotation last week. Um, but also Roman Anthony uh, in high A. Uh, I think we recorded before he technically got uh, promoted yep. last week. So we didn't get to talk about it last week. So we can talk about it this week. Um, and he also had a very solid week in high A. First week in high A, eight for 25, two doubles, two homers. Uh, I'll go to Jake first. Thoughts on Roman Anthony's first week in, in Greenville. Yeah, it was awesome news last week. It kind of came out somewhat out of nowhere um, because, again, you look at the surface-level stats of what he put up in Salem, and they don't wow you. But we've talked a lot on this podcast, and we had Ian Kundal on who had the access to the the underlying data to just say, like, this guy is has a, an approach at the plate that is so much, like, sort of wiser beyond his years. He's now goes, you know, uh, I, one of the youngest guys in all of uh, in all of the, the the South Atlantic League, which is where Greenville plays. And um, yeah, three twenty, four fourteen, six forty. His first week, two homers, six runs batted in, scored nine runs. Did have eight strikeouts versus four walks. That's something to watch, but not a huge surprise moving up from one level to the next. And yeah, he made some incredible play, defensive plays in center field as well. Hunter posted the video of, of them and. Um, I think that this exposure for Anthony is going to continue to turn heads in his direction. And we're seeing a real, like potential real prodigy here. Somebody who I think that by the end of this season, you know, on Red Sox prospect lists and whatever he could be, he could be in the top three. Honestly, it could be like him and, you know, if, if you know, maybe Blaze falls out of it because he's going to be on the shelf the rest of the year. You have York, Rafael, and Anthony. I mean, that's like the that's your top five. Uh, it feels like right now, and and Anthony is just is turning into this sort of like five five tool talent, um, and potential for maybe he's going to even stick in center field, which would just be absolutely incredible. I was curious, Hunter, if you had a viewpoint on this. Like, I think that one thing that was really interesting was I think it was like the I don't know if it was the first game he hit a home run uh, or it was the second game there that he hit a home run. And again, you know, he only hit one in Salem and it's hard to hit there, but there was a lot of stuff about, you know, how he was hitting the ball on the ground a lot. Um, and you see this week already, like the home runs, couple doubles, like really, I'm wondering if there's all, if there was already a mechanical adjustment that was made in his swing arriving in Greenville. And I tried to watch some video of the swing in Salem versus the swing in Greenville and I couldn't really tell if there was much of a difference yet, but um, I don't know. Like it just the, the way that his swing was in Salem was uh, the ball. He would just hit the ball kind of on the ground a lot. Yeah. And so far it seems like he's lifting the ball. I don't know if it was, just, they already made a simple adjustment when he got up to Greenville or what, but whatever he's doing is working so far. Again, he's just got to maybe has to work on the strikeouts a little bit, but um, he certainly took to high a exactly the way that you would want him to. Yeah, he um I I admittedly couldn't give you a good answer on that mainly because uh again, it's hard with the uh minor league cameras. They usually only have one angle. I've seen I've seen games where you don't even see the the hitters really get to hit sometimes because they just have one camera and it's just focused on the pitcher. Uh but it does it's there's definitely a very notable difference in the amount of times he's putting the ball in the air. Um and you, you do have to wonder if that's something that he got to Greenville and they already had something set up for him. Uh, 
I don't want to say it was strategic by him uh, because that's oh, that would be a very wild strategy. But I, I wonder if it also had something to do with playing in Salem uh, and with how hard it is to hit home runs there. And if it was kind of just like, hey, maybe I should try to get more of a line drive type swing. And maybe that was just leading to more ground balls. Um, but yeah, he's like you said, he's really turning into this this all talent player. And I think that's something it's amazing how we saw it just this week alone. Uh, his first game in high A, uh, he had I believe he had a double his first game. I think it's his first homer game in his second game. But in his first game, he had three errors, and two of them came on the same play. He mishandled a, a fly ball, and then I, I think kind of like panically threw it the second and just ended up also overthrowing the second baseman. Uh, and then after that, it was just diving catch, phenomenal throw. He had a great relay with Carson Seamus yesterday to, to get someone out. He threw it from uh, the, uh, the wall to Seamus at second, who threw a bullet to Blaze Jordan at third. Um, he had a couple great plays where he didn't get the best jump on it, but he made a nice recovery. He had a, had a good sliding grab where he almost over, he ran so fast. He almost overran the ball, uh, had a couple diving plays. Then he had a play Saturday or Sunday where he had a perfect read that if he misread it by a half of a second, he wouldn't have gotten to the ball. He, he barely got there. Snow coned it. Um, you mentioned the strikeouts. It's definitely not, it's definitely something obviously to monitor, but it's also, he's a 19 year old. He's absurdly young for high a and it's his first taste at the level. I'm not surprised that, you know, he struck out a couple times this week. Um, and that's something that he had a very good walk to strikeout rate in, in Salem, but in, in single a and high a, you're still facing a lot of those pitchers working on different things, but you're still moving up a level. And I think in single A, you'll really find guys that just can't find the zone. So sometimes some of those walks just came easy or kind of, you know, he would get to those, those three ball counts. And it was like, there's no point in, in swinging because they're going to throw me a ball. Um, and in, in high A, there's a higher chance that you're going to face a pitcher who can work back from those counts. You can't just sit on, you can't just be like, Oh, well, I'm in a three ball count now. So if he doesn't throw me this pitch, I'm not going to swing and there's a high chance he, he throws me a ball. So the fact that he went up to high A and still had a 414 on base percentage in his first week, is definitely very encouraging to see. Um, two doubles, two homers. A again, he was putting the ball in the air a lot and it worked immediately. What I love to see though was uh, at one point, it was at least three straight hits were opposite field. He had an opposite field homer and then an RBI single to end a game. Uh, and then the very next day, his first hit was an opposite field double. Uh, and he also was part of two game-winning plays for uh, Greenville. One was a game-winning error, but still he put the ball on the ground. He did what he had to do, brought the run home. Uh, and the other one he scored uh, after, I believe he was walked to start the inning, which was, again, great to see. He came up in a tie game and didn't, um, didn't, you know, he didn't try to overdo anything. He's this 19 year old. He's got all this hype around him all of a sudden he's at a new level. He just was the walk-off hero the other night. He has a chance to do it again. And he didn't go up there and swing out of his shoes. He just, he, he took his pitches, worked a walk. Awesome to see. Um, yeah, I, there's, there's really not much that you can discredit him for right now. I think, like you said, there's a very high chance we see him easily in the top five uh, for a lot of people's rankings in the Red Sox system. He could creep into 
top three territory. And I think that we'll also see him on a lot more people's uh, consensus lists. Like for all of baseball, we saw it with Kylie McDaniel. I think we'll see that with a lot of other people. Wouldn't be surprised if he creeped into a top 100 for Baseball America, for MLB, uh, because the underlying numbers in single A were so good that even though the overall, the surface numbers weren't great, people were already recognizing recognizing him. And now a week into high A, he's already starting to show those surface numbers as well. So I think that's just going to create more of a hype train around him. And I think that he's someone that will be put on the map very shortly and that he'll be, he'll be a name outside of just Red Sox fans very, very soon. I think he's someone that all of baseball fans will be like, Oh, this guy's really good. And he's 19 and he's in high a, and that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, when we talk about Kyle McDaniel putting him on, what was it, top 50 prospects in baseball? Yep. Like, that's something for a guy who at the time was in low way, first season of pro ball. Uh, like, that's something that you don't just see, especially, what was he, their third draft pick last year? Yep. Um, so, like, you don't just see that. And for it, like, it feels like the Red Sox have gotten all they could have asked for out of him and even more. Uh, which is nice to see. Uh, and, then, and then also, too, like the fact that, like, yeah, we talk about him potentially getting into top 100 lists and you have guys like Nick York getting back into these top 100 lists. Like, Red Sox, they're like the farm system and especially these guys that are getting in. Red Sox are going to have a lot of guys getting into these top 100 lists. Um, although we bring up Emily Pipeline's top 100 list and like they still have Joe Han ranked 28th in the Red Sox system. So, like, screw them. Yeah, they just, um, uh, they, you know, know, they, so like they just haven't had a chance to update those lists. And then, oh, I uh, know. I, I, I just need so to make it so known. like. Well, just to be clear, like MLB Pipeline is basically three guys. It's 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 yeah. Jim Callis, John Jonathan Mayo, and and Sam Dykstra, and they they are they're working on the draft right now. <laughs> Once the draft oh, is okay. over, I think that's when they'll they'll do uh, they'll they'll update the MLB. They list, have like their post trade deadline update. That's like the next big update right. I think yeah. for them. So. But yeah, because they they do like just their preseason clear. and then like their post trade deadline and then like their end of season. Yeah, yeah. Right. I I just find it hilarious how they have Joe Hans. Well, yeah, it is. It's definitely it's misleading, yes. but it's like, but there are <laughs> yes, you know, there are other sources that for sure. But yeah, definitely, I, I just find it hilarious that Joe Hans twenty eighth there. Uh, so just disclaimer on their rankings that's not updated yeah, yet. Not updated. Um, everywhere everywhere else should be. That's why we trust Sox prospects because they're updated all the time. Every um, month. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, I, I think. We've said a bunch about Roman Anthony, so I'll move on. I'll I'll talk about someone. Um, Hunter Dobbins and Isaac Coffey both moving up to Double A. That's huge. Um, and actually, while we've been recording, Ian Kundal put out a tweet. Essentially, the list of pitchers that have essentially just been really good since like May tenth, and the list is is just a whole bunch of guys in low A and high A, and just the pitching staff. It's like it's like. What one, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight guys? That's like essentially two thirds of the two rotations. Yeah. Right? Six and six, twelve, eight is two thirds of twelve. So yeah, like it's like the pitching in the low minors has been outrageous. Um, and for both of them to be called up, they've both been pitching really well. Um I'll, I'll focus on Hunter Dobbins. I've talked enough about the coffee man, I think, in the last few weeks. I'll I'll push him aside a little bit this week. Um, and Hunter Robbins because he, he had another start six innings. I think that's four straight starts going six innings for him. Um, only gave it two runs, eight strikeouts, and only one walk. It's been a thing with like this 
Greenville rotation, especially with Dobbins and Coffee, especially like they're putting up seven, eight strikeouts every start, only walking one guy at the most. It feels like in, in their most recent starts. So they're just going out there, getting guys out, not giving free passes to base runners. The move to Double A for both of them, I think, is warranted. Uh, but now in Double A, you're adding two guys to that rotation. Uh, now, what what does that Double A rotation start to look like? Because eventually, I know the uh, Wusong rotation, depending on spot starts that maybe need to make in the big league team, you know, they might start running a couple guys short here or there. So maybe we see a couple guys get moved up to Triple A from Double A potentially, just because. Um, AAA, they only have so many starters, right? So AA, you're adding two starters to the AA team, so we'll see what happens. Um, and there were some hints at, I think I think it was Brian Abraham who hinted at a bunch of moves. Um, and, yeah, we've seen, a, like, what, five promotions in the past couple of days um, or six or something like that. But at the same time, like, when you start looking at the pitching through the system, especially in the low minors, it's like these guys are going to start moving pretty soon, you would think. Um, or at least like pretty sad by pretty soon in the next month, couple months, just because like, there's going to be, there's got to be a bunch of guys just because of how good they're all pitching. Um, but then you're also going to have start to have log jams, right. And rotations. And you only have so many rotation spots. So the, where that ends up is interesting with some of the guys that are currently in the double A rotation with Dobbins and Isaac coffee, both moving up. But I think it is something of note because those two guys have been pitching extremely well. And especially Dobbins, he's last four starts, I think is like he's gone six and se- six innings and two of those starts, seven innings and two of those starts. You don't see that in the minor leagues normally. Normally, you're looking at in the lower minors, five innings is what you're aiming for. If you get six, that's great. But for a guy to be going six and seven consistently, um, I feel like that just kind of proves like, yeah, it's probably time for him to get moved up. And I think it's a, the right timing uh, for the Red Sox. And we've talked about both of those guys um, in the last few weeks. Um, so if you want to, if you missed the last couple of weeks, go back to listen because we have been talking about Dobbins and Coffee the last few weeks too. Um, I'll go to Jake, who's someone who stood out to you in high A this week. So we haven't brought up either of these guys yet, and I, I I don't want to put Hunter on the spot and say who he should talk about. But basically, the the Greenville Drive had in the South Atlantic League they had the pit the they had the pitcher of the week and the hitter of the week. So I'm going to talk about the the hitter of the week because I haven't really t- I personally feel like I haven't talked enough about Blaze Jordan this year and the really truly incredible season that he's having. Um, where so this past week he just was completely out of his mind. Twelve for twenty two, hit three homers, ten runs batted in, seven runs scored, four doubles. He had just two strikeouts versus five walks, and he had a, so a one point one three six OPS on on uh, the week so for the season for for blaze jordan in in greenville he's now up to 323 379 uh 546 and he has 10 homers and uh he has uh, 19 doubles so far on the season and the biggest difference for blaze jordan and this has been mentioned and and i think we just have to really highlight this in terms of one of the biggest single improvements for any prospect in the red sox system this year has been Blaze Jordan's strikeout rate, which last year was it just in uh, just in in Greenville at the end of last season was twenty five point twenty five point five percent, and so far this year it's fourteen point one percent, so a t- a, an eleven 
basically an 11 and a half percent drop in his strikeout rate. And the walk rate is a little bit less this year. It's 8.2, but it's not some, it was 10.4 just in Greenville last year. These are just like, this is incredible uh, work that he's put in for his bat to ball skills um, and really proven people wrong, especially about his power in games and the fact that he's just been absolutely mashing the ball for weeks now. Um, so we are definitely at the point now where it's it's hard to say that Blaze Jordan deserves, you know, he should spend more time in high A. But as we talked about, so Hunter touched on this a little bit about Rafaela moving up to to Worcester and the sort of what uh, what that would mean for other guys. So if that happens and there's playing time opened up for him there in uh, more playing time opened up in in Portland because realistically right now despite guys having a lot of guys having good seasons in in uh portland i don't know from a position player standpoint who else besides rafaela would be a real candidate to move up to to worcester the rest of this season maybe Corey rosier possibly um if you wanted to open up more playing time for other guys i don't necessarily you know we've talked about york quite a bit i don't see it york we didn't really talk about it york had kind of a lousy week last week um but uh at the plate at least uh definitely not in the field there was no, a he, yeah, hunter posted third play hunter posted a really nice play that he made but but that's on the double a side but um i think that uh the opportunity for blaze jordan to move up would be if Raffaello was moved up because then that would mean that the red sox could could effectively make matthew lugo probably yep. a full-time outfielder one thing that's really interesting lately about Jordan, and this may have been a factor of Briner Bonacy being on the on the IL and Meyer moving up and other stuff, is that Blazes Jordan has been mostly playing third base over the last like week, couple weeks or so. Very interesting because I think there's a lot of thought that he's going to be a first baseman long term, and he probably will be. But they're giving him a real shot to continue playing third base. I think that for, uh, like I said, for Portland, if he goes up there, best case scenario is. Matthew Lugo kind of moves to a full-time outfield role. And that means that the 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 Sea Dogs could kind of rotate Cavadas, um, Blaze Jordan, and Alex Benellis kind of through the corner infield slots and the DH spot, depending on who's playing. And obviously Chase, Chase Medroth is part of that, uh, has to be part of that third base rotation as well. So maybe Blaze would probably end up playing more first base in that scenario. But either way... Um, there, I, I think that Jordan is a little bit of a victim of just the fact that the Red Sox have so many really good position players that deserve playing time. But I don't know. I, we are, I feel like we're just at the point now where you're not helping Jordan can grow as a prospect by keeping him in, in high A. So yeah, he has more than earned the opportunity to move up to double A um, and just bravo to him. We, I remember, I think uh, it was our first episode. And I think Derek, you brought it up. Like, is this is like a make or break year for blaze Jordan and, all whatever work he did in the off season, uh, working on his plate discipline, working on his bat to ball skills, it all paid off. He's just been truly one of the, just in terms of production and performers in the minor league system, he's been a top, he's been a top 10 performer. I wouldn't still, I still wouldn't necessarily say he's been a, he's a top 10 prospect in the system. And I remember when I posted the update to the baseball America list, people were like, where's blaze Jordan. Why is he not in the top 10? It's like, well, the reason why he's not in the top 10 is because they have to project out what kind of big leaguer he might be. And the truth is, is that his bat really has to carry the sort of corner infield, possibly first base only profile. 
Um, and so there's other guys in the system who are going to, who are project, who will be middle, middle infielders in the big leagues, or they will be center fielders in the big leagues, or they, or they hopefully will be catchers in the big leagues. And those guys are just always going to have more value than corner infielders. Yeah. So that's why, but, but that doesn't mean that Jordan doesn't project to be a, 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 a useful hitter in the big leagues. And I think he can be. Um, and I think he deserves the, the chance to go up to double A. Yeah. Also to the name plays Jordan. I feel like for fans carries like, way more stock than he's like, been famous for a long numbers time are exactly i feel like yeah i feel like the name blaze jordan holds more stock than what his numbers are and it's like if anyone catches wind of blaze jordan playing well it's like well what about blaze jordan he, he, oh this is the guy who was hitting 400 some like 450 foot homers when he was like 13 years old like yeah it's like like this is the guy who was drafted what he was seventeen when he was drafted. I even turned I don't even know if he turned eighteen when he was drafted. I think he was still seventeen technically, uh, when he was drafted. Um, like he was very young though for when he was drafted, that's for sure. So for him to be that young and get drafted and have success now, and he's still extremely young. Like that I think that's nice to see. Um, I think a lot of Red Sox fans or just fans generally ask, what about Blaze Jordan? I think it does go back to like Blaze Jordan is a known entity to baseball fans, even ones who don't closely follow the minor leagues because of his name value. But in terms of, you know, his performance, like this year, you still can't doubt it regardless of his name value or not. Like he's been very good this year. Yeah. And in his defense, uh, I think that his defense at both positions has been solid at, at worst. I think he was playing really good defense at first. And I think, He's made a lot of really nice plays at third. He has a ph- phenomenal arm that I think plays perfectly at the position. Uh, and just kind of to throw one little extra thing on him to show you how done with uh, p- how how much pitchers are done with him at the level. His last game on Sunday, uh, the Red Sox ended up walking it off, or I'm sorry, the Greenville Drive ended up walking it off. Uh, he came up in, I think it was the eighth inning. And uh, Brainerd Bernassi had just hit a double and it was a tie game and they intentionally walked him. And then he came up in the bottom of the 10th inning and there was a base open. So they intentionally walked him just they, if, if there's a RBI opportunity in a close game and there's a base open pitchers just don't want to deal with him anymore because he's going to crush a baseball. Like, it, like as Jake pointed out, he's not striking out much this year. He's putting the bat on the ball. And when he does, he's hitting it very hard and very far usually. Um, so, yeah, I, it really feels like not only is there nothing left for him at high A, but the pitchers don't want him there anymore either. So you might as well move him up to double A. Uh, and Jake, you referenced uh, who I was going to talk about. Uh, Dalton Rogers is I'm going to go ahead and guess the, the name you were throwing out there because he did win uh, the pitcher of the week. And he won it for a good reason. Uh, he made one start this week. He threw six hitless innings, only allowed one walk, struck out 11 batters. Uh I saw a little bit of discord, uh, a good discourse on Twitter of like, why'd they take him out? They took him out because it's high A. No one gives a damn about a perfect game, a no hitter in high A by a pitcher. It's a very cool stat. Obviously, I'm sure he wanted to go out there and keep pitching, but that is beyond stupid for if, if Iggy Suarez decided, the Greenville manager Iggy Suarez, if he decided to keep him out for nine innings, I think he'd already be out of the system because Heim Bloom, Red Sox Brass, whoever would have gone up to him and been like, Hey, you just made our one of our best one of our pitching prospects who's been perfor- performing the best this year. You just made him go out there and throw 120 pitches. 
leave. Like that's that would have been absurd. Uh, he dominated. It was an awesome start, um, and there was like he did he did all he could do. There was no reason to keep him out there, uh, and he's had a fantastic season all year. He was dominating in single A, and now he's hasn't really skipped a beat since moving up to high A. Uh, he's a two six one ERA. 131 batting average against 109, 1.09 whip in 41 and a third innings between all the levels. 65 strikeouts to 26 walks. The walks are like whatever. That's not a miserable number, but it's obviously not very good either. So it was really positive to see 11 strikeouts compared to only one walk. Uh, just one of the more dominant outings you're going to see from any minor league pitcher this year. That that was just absurd. I the uh, the opposing team really just had. No answer for him. Uh, clearly, a relief for them when he got taken out of the game. Um, but Rogers is someone that started the year. Uh, we've talked about this before. Converted, he got drafted as a relief pitcher. They've converted him into a starter, and he has excelled in that role. And it's something that, going back to that, uh, not wanting to overuse him, they're already kind of stretching him out. They're getting him used to that. So that's just another reason why they're not going to overwork him anytime soon. Um, but the fact that he's done such a good job, he's consistently going out there, usually getting you five, six innings of work. He's putting out these dominant starts. That has to be such a big win for the Red Sox draft team to see that they saw this, this relief pitcher and said, Hey, there's something there. We could, we could try to make him into a starter. And obviously there's only so much you could take from single A and high A starts. Uh, you're, you're still in the, the low levels of the minors. You're still facing hitters that will probably never sniff the major leagues. You're still facing uh, a lot of guys younger than him at this point. He was a college pitcher. But he's done everything and more asked of him. And I think he's someone that could quickly rise up the ranks of their pitching prospects. They have a lot of guys, I think, especially at the lower levels that are really intriguing, but a lot of them are really raw prospects and him with that college background could fly through the minors a lot quicker than most of those pitchers. And that I think in turn will help him be considered this, this higher level prospect of like, Oh, well, here's this guy who was, you know, started the year in single a now he's dominating in, in high a next year. He might be in double a, you know, you already got that going on. Um, so he's, he's just, uh, he's been great all year. And this week he gave you the best performance from his season. And again, one of the best performances you'll see from any, any minor league pitcher uh, all year. So it, it really looks, it's, it's very early, but you have to love what the Red Sox have gotten from him. And you have to be very happy with that draft pick. The other thing I'll add to on the no hitter situation like, there's a difference between, like, when, like, C.J. Liu and Brian Bayo threw their no-hitters in the minor leagues. Those are seven-inning doubleheader games. Yeah. Whereas this is a nine-inning game. And for Dalton Rogers, like, there's a difference if there's one inning left in the game and you're going out and throwing a no-hitter. Yeah. Or if there's three innings. Like, and, and Jake, I think we'll, we'll discuss this when we get closer to the MLB draft, but when it gets to college pitchers and throwing 120, 130 pitches in a game, and it's just like, no. Yeah. Like, why? What, yeah. what, what's the point yeah. of killing the kid's arm and making making it worse for the kid in terms of his longevity? Um, but then also it's a bad look for the coach, too. Right. Uh, and we see it in – we might see in that movie draft. I know Paul Skeen's protected, protected number two pick just threw 123 pitches in the College World Series. And 
he's probably going to pitch again pretty soon for LSU, depending on how yeah. far they go. So, like, and I yeah, think and I, thing. I would, you know, and I know I, I harped on this before, and I agree. Like the Skeens thing was was it was amazing to watch him pitch, and he, you know, he, he got taken out in the I think it was either the I think it was the eighth inning. He went like seven and a third or seven and two thirds. Um, I think that you you know there are some caveats like Skeens. I think had seven days of rest so there, there's i think it's called pitch smart like they have deadlines and it's all based on how many pitches he how many days of rest does a guy had versus how many you know versus how many pitches is he throwing in that particular game and i think that like um i i would assume that Skeens was probably in an, in a safe range in terms of the pitch the for that particular game i wasn't like i wasn't i was like okay he's throwing a lot of pitches it's like i and it's it's I, I was kind of like okay, semi okay with it. Um, not really, but like it was like okay, it's the college world series, like the guy's a competitor, like I get it. Like he wants to be out there. He doesn't have anything left to prove though, in terms of obviously like he's he's not like I remember last year, like Cade Horton for Oklahoma, right? He was like a guy that Battle was like had, had all of this like draft stock, like that he was like nobody at the start of the season. It was like, okay, he's he's building himself up, and then yeah, he ends up going being a top ten pick to the cup. Um, I guess I can, I get it, but like uh, Dalton Rogers, it was a cool thing. Yeah. It's just not the way that it is handled in, in, in the professional game. Yeah. These guys have their, their, they have their pitch limits. They, the, the managers and the pitching coaches are, they, they have numbers that they have to stick with and it's dictated by the front offices. And if they, yeah, if they deviate from it, they'll be, uh, they'll be on the unemployment yeah. line. <laughs> this, yeah. Just yeah, a, a quick shout out to uh, my friend Sean, who is a Cubs fan. He uh, constantly texts me to ask me to check out Kate Horton's starts so I could tell him how Kate Horton did. So I just wanted, just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. As you mentioned well, he's, na- he's nasty. Uh, I don't know how he's doing so far in his pro career. But, Very good. Very yeah. good. He's looked really the guy was again. He was like he was like a projected like fifth round pick or even yeah. lower last year, and he just had the most incredible season last year and then ends up being a top 10 yeah. pick he's There's also not, though, there hasn't like, really there hasn't really been any we're going to talk about so not this not next week but the week after just mark your calendar i think it'll be the episode that comes out on july 5th we're going to talk a lot about draft stuff uh, yeah. on that episode um there hasn't really been anybody like that this year but like but uh horton was like somebody that like turned heads and was like a huge deal especially in the college world series like yeah. how well he pitched but anyway yeah, I, and, I, and like the schemes were 125 pitches. Like there was a guy who like what, a week earlier threw 156 pitches. What? It yeah, was. that was, one was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> so that was the guy for like, Stanford, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. that's criminal. But yeah, so 123 pitchers doesn't even feel that bad when you compare it to 156. Um, but it, it's it's the smart decision for Rogers long term to not have him work too deep into that game. Um, but now let's get into Loway. Um, and I think we there's a guy who we need to talk about because Luis Perales has been very, very, very good as of late. He's been one of those guys in the low minors has just been pitching very well as of recently. Um, his last six starts, he's got 38 strikeouts to only nine walks. I think that's a really big thing for him. Uh, his start this week, this past week, he went uh, six, he went six innings, only gave up one hit, uh, seven strikeouts, just one walk. Uh, so just continuing the trend of striking guys out and not walking guys. Going six innings, too. I think that was a career high for him. Yep. Uh, so that's very big to see. I actually throw it over to Hunter. I haven't gotten to Hunter first yet. So I'll go to Hunter first this time. Uh, thoughts on Paralysis start this week? Yeah, uh, you mentioned his last six starts uh, with the walks. But his last two starts, he's only had one walk. 
so it's it's really is something that's trending in the right direction for him. He's um, like you mentioned, six innings was a career high. Five innings was his previous career high, which he actually threw his last time out. He had thrown it one other time previously in the year. But uh, so that's something you're seeing a little bit more consistency with that, too, where Prowse is going out there and, and getting you some innings. Um, and just one of the best fastballs I think you'll see in the system, which is wild to say about a 20 year old in single A, but it's, it's live. It moves. It, he, he is throwing 97 consistently. Um, and yeah, so his last two starts, uh, 11 innings, two hits, I believe 11 innings, two hits, one walk and, uh, 14 strikeouts. I think, I think he had seven strikeouts in both times. He's down to a 406 ERA, 227 batting average against 141 whip in 37 two thirds innings. That's really good to see. He's he's consistently been lowering that ERA lately. I mean, the fact that he's almost down into the threes is is fantastic. 49 strikeouts, 21 walks, which again, uh, 21 walks in 37 and two thirds innings isn't great, but it's not bad, especially for a 20 year old in single A. And it's even better considering the fact that he's cut down so heavily on them recently. Uh, and that's kind of one of the big things you wanted to see with him this year. It was stretching him out a little bit. Cause prior to this year, I think his career high in innings pitched in a game was two. Uh, it was seeing if he could get the command under control a little bit. And it was the improvement on the pitches, which I think he's done all three very well. He's missing bats a lot. Um, he's obviously going deeper into games, career high, six innings. And uh, that command was an issue at the beginning of the year, but clearly he's he's ironing that out. I don't know if it's a mechanical thing. I don't know if it's just uh, maybe he's not pressing as much. Maybe he's throwing the fastball more often because, again, that fastball is a pitch that I think he can rely on if he needs to. Uh, he does have really solid secondary stuff too, though. I think he's just – he's obviously very raw, but from a top-line prospect, like from a – how good could they be in the majors? I think he's the best chance the Red Sox have it, like a true ace in their in their minor league system. I think uh, if you had to tell me, pick one guy who in, in five years, five, six years, will be an ace at the major league level, I would I would put my money on Luis Perales because the the all the stuff was there for two years now. We've people have been saying the pitches are nasty. The the fastball's great. He's got all it's it's just down to can he put it together? Can he figure out the command? Will he be able to go multiple innings? Will he be able to stretch out and stay healthy? And he's really starting to show all of those. And he's uh he's in a, a rotation that I think has a couple really intriguing arms, but he was the one that kind of really stood out. And this is a uh this is just like that next natural progression that it's kind of like what we saw when Wickleman Gonzalez was in, in high or it was in single a was we saw him struggle when he first got there. And then he went on this disgusting run and got moved up to high a. And we've kind of seen that same thing with him in high a now where he struggled for a bit. Now he's on this, this fantastic run. And I think that we're kind of at that stage with Perales where it took him a little bit of time, but we're starting to see why he's so highly regarded and it, could only get better from here. I, I think that uh, he's someone that if Red Sox fans don't know him, if there's a Red Sox fan that doesn't know him, they're going to learn about him very soon. And I think he's someone that will get certain 
Red Sox writers to maybe realize that there are good pitching prospects in the Red Sox minor leagues. I won't name any names, but uh, yeah, Luis, Luis Perales is, uh, has been an absolute stud lately, and I think it's just going to keep getting better. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you saw my tweet from last week's episode, I may or may not have thrown out a little first for some just throw out a first name you know there it's a it's a gen it's a generic first name a lot of people have that first name but if you know you know um but yeah definitely uh jake your thought you have any thoughts on paralysis to start this week sorry before i before i talk you guys are going to say hi to my cat hi <laughs> um hi cat <laughs> she i like the purring her name's Jody. Yeah, you could hear the prank. Oh, that's funny. That's her first. But we, we, Ed's, Ed's dogs are always on the podcast, and so, uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's not, uh, not, not uh, unusual to have pets on on the show. Um, all right. So Paralis, just like amazing to see him put it together. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about him. We're, we're like, we're, we, this episode's gone on for a long time. So, <laughs> um, I, Paralis has just been, he is showing, uh, the absolute promise that we first really started to hear about him over the course of the last couple of years. It's amazing to see him do it against better competition. It was a slow start to this year. Um, but he has just been absolutely, uh, incredible these last couple of weeks, mixing his pitches really well the fastball has so much right on it. It's incredible. Um, and the sky is the limit for him in terms of his potential. The Red Sox have to, you know, I, do I realistically think the Red Sox will add him to the 40 man roster after this year? Probably not. I mean, he's just so far away from the big league still, but man, the stuff is nasty. And if he, this, he has the type of profile where the kind of thing that we saw with Brian Bayo last year and in, in the past couple of years where he could just move so quickly because the stuff is so live and if he just like keeps mowing guys down, um, you know, and we've seen cases of this in the past where guys come up really move really quickly, even at a young age. And I think that Perales could absolutely be that kind of a guy. So um, very exciting and a very exciting development for for the Red Sox and their system about Perales. Yeah, uh, I won't add on Perales because I do have a guy we're going to talk about. Um I, I do want to say, I don't know if he's going to be mentioned, so Bradley Blaylock was promoted to high A, although kind of was expected because if you're a high A guy, you can't go on a rehab assignment in low A. Yeah. It just doesn't work like that. So he had to be assigned to low A, and now he's getting promoted. It's Really, he's just going back to Greenville yeah. from yeah. like a rehab assignment in Salem, kind of, realistically. Um, I do want to talk about Alan Castro, though. Alan Castro fan club, 7 for 21 this week. Uh, we had two doubles, uh, four walks, just two strikeouts. And this is really interesting with Castro. Um, over the course of the season, um, he hasn't been like, like he's been solid, right? Uh, 237 average, but a, a 361 on base, three, uh, 353 slugging. But in his last 29 games, uh, he's hitting 288 with a 370 on base and a 432 slugging. Uh, in that span, he has 11 of his 12 doubles this year, um, or in that stretch. Uh, sorry, not 11, 11 of 16 doubles. She's always where I get 12 from. Um, 11, of six, 11 of 16 doubles. He has a triple and a home run in that stretch too. Uh, just he's been much better, like a lot better. And like he didn't even have a terrible start to the season. But like from his last, his last 29 games, he's been like very, very good. And, and it's nice to see too. Uh, he's a guy, uh, we talked about the Encanto. Could be a little platoony, but it is a little weird because in the FCL last year, uh, he hit very well from the right side of the plate against left-handed pitching uh, and was worse on, from the left side against righties. But this year, he's having a lot more success against righties at hitting left-handed 
Uh, whereas against righties, uh, sorry, hitting righty against lefties, he's struggling more in low A. So what's the thought on that? Who really knows? Um, but you're going to face a lot more righties normally than you are lefties. Uh, more guys just naturally throw right-handed. Um, so the fact that he is hitting well against against right-handed pitching, I would say this year is a plus. Um, this year against right-handed pitching, he's got a 763 OPS compared to a 480 OPS against lefties. So like I said, a little platoony, but it's like last year the platoon splits were flipped almost. Um, so it is a little weird to see. Um, but at the same time, like he's having success. Um, and as a switch hitter, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, maybe one swing's working and the other swing isn't. Um, so that's probably the worst thing about being a switch hitter, I think. But overall, especially, you know, the last 29 games for him, he's been very, very good. Uh, so can't complain about it at all. So as the president of the Allen Castro fan club, uh, he's moving in the right direction, definitely. Uh, Jake, uh, who's someone who started to you this weekend in Salem? So, um, I'm going to do this like in two parts because I did want to mention Cutter Coffee, the other coffee man. Um, he, you know, has had uh, he kind of struggled at the plate a little bit, but um, during this the first part of the year, the last 13 games, he had like he had hit, uh, he had gotten hits, I think, in 11 of 12 games, and then in the last game, he um, he went over five, but in that 13 game stretch, he's hitting 280, 286, 375, 531 slugging, so a 906 OPS. Um, has hit a couple homers, which of course is a really impressive thing to do in Salem. Um, he does have 12 strikeouts to six walks, but he, he's definitely starting to come around again. He was the Red Sox second pick last year. And it's like, you look at the, the, the guys who, uh, you know, the first four picks like Mikey Romero obviously hasn't played yet this year. Hopefully it sounds like he's getting hopefully pretty close to being able to play in some FCL games. Um, and then he'll, he'll make his way up to Salem. Um, and then, you know, we talk about Roman Anthony was the third pick and then Dalton Rogers was the fourth pick, but. The second pick is Cutter Coffee, and I feel like we haven't talked about him a lot, but he is starting to come around. He's been splitting his time between shortstop and third base, um, and it's been really good to see him him adjusting to that level, taking it while, obviously, his first full year as playing an affiliated ball. So that's great to see. I did want to mention that after we started recording, we received a Twitter question. So we did not put out a call for questions, and this was sent to the three of our uh, individual Twitter accounts. And we're happy to take questions. You can send them to the pesky report uh, or, or whatever. We're happy to talk about them. Maybe we'll do like a mailbag or a Twitter question uh, episode at some point. But this one came in from at will CA 37 Red Sox West Coast. And the question was, have y'all had a chance to check out Jettickson Paez this year? He's been bad, but I'm wondering what's been going wrong. Um so you do look at the numbers and they're pretty underwhelming for this year. He's a guy that like came into this season having, I think a good amount of expectations, having good stuff. And um, yeah, his, his numbers for the year, are just like not, not that, not that great, uh, unfortunately. And in his last start, which was uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday, when I say yesterday, I mean, Sunday, four and two thirds, five hits, four runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He gave up three home runs in the game, which is the most home runs he's given up this year in a game. He was, he missed some time with in, with an injury. He missed about, I think like three weeks earlier in the season. I'm not sure what the injury was exactly, um, but he's come back and he's had, you know, he's been a little bit up and down and then he kind of, kind of allows you to start this past week. But 
I haven't really watched Paez pitch that much. What I will say is that he's not a hard thrower, and yeah. he is somebody that has to get by on his command. And he's not walking a lot of guys, which tells me that he's probably he's leaving too many pitches over the heart of the plate, and they're getting hit. So, um, yeah, I think that 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 uh, it's a little bit of a disappointing year for him at this point. It would seem like if he doesn't turn around, he would probably end up having to repeat in Salem next year. Um, but because it's just because we, we just talked about all of these other pitchers who have been just crushing it yeah. at the lower levels. And Piaz is one of these guys that came in this year, I think with some expectations and he hasn't really lived up to them. And again, I, I, I'm assuming and it's a Hunter. It sounds like, you know, I'm sure you've probably watched him pitch more often. I'm my assumption is that he hits, it's like a Corey Kluber situation where he, his command is, is uh, his, his stuff isn't like overpowering. He has to have command. He has to work on the corners and the outside. And if the pitches are getting left in the middle of the plate, he's going to get hit. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think with Paez, the thing that people need to like kind of focus on with him is he's a 19 year old who I think was seen as a very raw prospect in the sense of they think he has good command or solid command of his pitches. And they think he has good potential with his stuff, but it's not there yet. Uh, I think he barely throws in the, in the 90s on his fastball. He probably doesn't even hit that most of the time. Um, and so he's not like he, he, can't, he can't throw a fastball over the plate. It's going to get crushed 90% of the time. So he's someone that I think this year you shouldn't be too worried about the stats. I know that's really hard to hear, especially if you're not watching the games. But I think that you kind of just have to hope that he's working on the things that they want him to be working on and hopefully he can add some velocity over time because uh, it, it, that definitely has been an issue with him is, is leaving pitches in hittable spots, but he's not walking people. He's only walked seven people in 33 and a third innings, but he has given up six homers in that time. Uh, and he has shown some like strikeout ability. Uh, he's 28 on the year. Um, he did have six in a start this year, I think is this is his season high. Uh, and Outside of, um, like, he, he really didn't have a, a good start his last time out. But outside of that, it really hasn't been that bad. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. He had a, a really rough start near the beginning of the year, too. Uh, but other than that, like, he's given you four innings, one earned. Three innings, no earned. Three and two-thirds, four earned. That's not that good. Four innings, one earned. Five innings, three earned. Five innings, three earned. Like, there was uh, his last start out, four and two-thirds, four earned. Three homers was an issue. And then he had a start where he gave up six earned, nine runs, 10 hits in four innings his, his second time out. Outside of that, he hasn't been terrible. Uh, and uh, so I think that those are really kind of inflating the numbers, making it look a little worse than it is. But he's, he's definitely someone that I think, again, it's frustrating to hear, but you can't look at the numbers and be like, oh, this guy's having a terrible year. I think there's much more nuance to it, especially at this low of a level. There's just so many things they probably have him working on that I'm sure the Red Sox aren't sitting there saying like, Oh, well, Pius has a five nine ERA that I, I I'd imagine that that's very far in the back of their mind right now. And they're saying, is he working on getting his, his fastball velo up? Is he getting a better spin on his off speed stuff? Is he uh, working on not throwing it down the heart of the plate as much? Is he uh, trying to keep the ball down more? There's, there's, so many things that I, they might even be adjusting his arm slot or so. There's so many things that I would imagine the Red Sox fan or the Red Sox are looking at that sadly Red Sox fans, us included, are never going to 
see because we just don't get that information. So it's it's looked rough, but I think that that's just something you kind of have to toss to the side for now with him. Yeah, definitely. And I, I will say this too: like when with having a guy who's so young, but with his stuff not being like the best stuff in the world, uh, like he's not a guy like Luis Perales, who with, when everyone talks about Perales, it's like, oh yeah, he's like nineteen, he's got like just like absolutely nasty stuff. Yeah, with Paez, the stuff is you know it's not really there. You're they're more so, you know, you're going to more so look for his stuff to develop over time and get better. And hopefully the velocity ticks up and over the over, you know, but that takes time. That doesn't happen in a day. Right. Yeah. So I think for him, you know, like, yeah, he's throwing what, 88, 89, 90 most of the time. So like, yeah, that's not going to work all the time. Right. And then yeah. so and then to your then you're relying on your secondary pitches to get outs because you're not going to blow anyone away with an 88 mile per hour fastball. And that, so yeah, I, I think for him too, it's also too goes back to the whole thing of prospect development isn't limit, isn't linear, right? Some guys, some guys fly up a super high trajectory. Some guys yeah. start a little bit slower, then they go up, and then maybe they hit slow down a little bit, then it's back up, right? It can be it can be up, down, back up, down a little bit, then yeah. right back up. Like it can be all over the place. So I think with a guy like him, he's so young, just take the time with him. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe the numbers don't look amazing, but at the same time. First year in pro ball, uh, this well in pro ball by I mean like first year in affiliated ball, um, first year in low A, uh, so he's a guy where it's still like just take the time with him. He's still yeah. 19 years old. He doesn't turn 20 until January of next year, so there's no like rush to get him like closer to the big leagues or anything. There's no hurry up. He needs to move because he's like 24 already. No, still really yeah. young. Uh, so. It's and, not like uh, that big a concern right yeah. now. Yeah. And I, I know we're running late, so I just want to throw out a quick uh, – uh, I wanted to mention for this, Lionel James uh, is having, I think, a really solid year. He's slashing 243, 325, 333, seven doubles, two homers on the year. Doesn't It's it's good, but it's not going to blow you away. But in the month of June, uh, he he's slashing 393, 424, 607. Uh on the year he's driven in 21. So he's been, he's been bringing in a lot of runs for Salem. Uh, definitely like not the biggest name on the team. He's a, if it mainly plays first base, but he's been their best hitter this month. And he's been one of their best run producers all year. Uh, and I think just, there's so many names in, in Salem with cutter coffee, Alan Castro, Luis Ravello, uh, Alexis Hernandez is up there now. And then obviously you had like Roman Anthony and Miguel Blaze earlier. Uh, and, I think James is kind of just that guy that's been in the lineup consistently producing. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And then also I wanted to jump to uh, the DSL quickly. Uh, and I wanted to bring up uh, Franklin Arias, who is a 17 year old shortstop. He was signed this January, uh, very much seen as a defense first prospect. I like that was all the profile on him was, Hey, this guy's really good defensively 17 year old shortstop. Well, he's 17 year old years old now. Um, really good defensively. Uh, and then like, will the rest come? We don't know, but he's got defense in his back pocket. And obviously it's the DSL and it's only a small game sample size, but uh, so far he is hitting, he is 10 for 23 with a double three walks, four RBIs, two runs. He went one for one today, but the game got postponed. So technically he's 11 for 24 now, uh, right-handed hitting shortstop from Venezuela and uh, signed for $525,000. Um, so someone that I think 
like given that defense only profile, the fact that he's in a, in a short time already giving you this high offensive production, uh, just another name, I think in, in that level to maybe keep an eye on. Cause obviously everyone's talking about Suspedes and a few other names. Uh, and I think Arias has been playing just as good, if not better than most of them. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Yeah. And, and while we're on the topic, just like, this is like the quick, like F FCL DSL minute. I want to, uh, give a shout out to at Red Sox, Sam underscore on Twitter. Uh, they were at a game on, I think it was Friday. Uh, yeah, they w- were at an FCL game and they provided a really good, uh, a lot of really good videos of guys like Fraley and Carnacion, Brooks Brandon hitting, hitting an absolute moonshot, uh, home run Marvin Alcantara, Sam seemed like they were really, uh, impressed by yeah. Marvin Alcantara the most. They so, actually, while we were recording, they actually sent me a video of uh, Johan Fran Garcia hit a home run today, and I oh, guess cool. they were at so, that game too. So they, so that's I retweeted it. That's on my that's on my timeline. If anyone yeah, wants to see, the, there's been Frank a lot of there's been a there's been a lot of really interesting hitters so far uh, at FCL, and so those are some so though those are some of the names that that we have some video of, and it's pretty cool that Sam's able to go because. You can just get in. You can anybody can just go to those games. You can walk in for free. I think pretty much sit wherever you want. So and you get to see prospects. And um, so anyway, that's uh, that's our our FCL slash DSL minute for the week. <laughs> yes, uh, we're running a little bit late. Um, so votes. Do we want to do pro- uh, guess the prospect? Yeah, we could throw it in there. Yeah, cool. If anyone's if anyone's still All listening, right. then <laughs> they deserve <laughs> they deserve it. All right, here you go. Guess the prospect. We have one, two, three. I wrote this last uh, before last week before my laptop decided to take crap. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hints this week. Although, if you don't have it by the eleventh one and you get to the eleventh hint, I'm gonna be a little disappointed. <laughs> um, so, all right, here we go. Uh, first hint: this player, this prospect, was born in Los Angeles, California. This prospect is 25 years old. This player was a 12th round draft pick in 2019. This player received a signing bonus of $125,000. This player went to college at Loyola Marymount. It's not, uh, I don't know. I got this on. player is the cousin of former five-time All-Star and two-time World Series champion Steve Sachs. This player is listed at six foot one, 190 pounds. This player throws right-handed and is a switch hitter. Oh, my God. This player is listed as an infielder. Is it Nick Sogard? It is Nick Sogard. Ah, very good. I think the cousin thing threw me off because when you were saying stuff, I was like, I wonder if it's Nick Sogard, and then you said cousin. And I was Cousin like, uh, of Steve Sachs. I guess, I guess saying brother of, of Eric Sogard would have been obvious. <laughs> yeah. On the nose. yeah, you couldn't have used that one. I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh, didn't Sogard play in the WBC? 
or what team was it? At one point, I don't think it was this year. I think it was Eric one, Sogard. Or was it this year? Or was it this year? I don't know. Did he play with the Czech. I think he played in the WBC. I think he played at some point. I think he did. Uh, I was considering using that as like a, as a like this guy is the brother of someone who yeah he played for the Czech Republic. Oh wow! There you go. So I was considering using that as a hint, but I was just like, it's very close to being like, oh, brother of Eric Sogard. I felt like the other hints were, uh, I thought it says infielder, uh, acquired in 2021 by the Red Sox. Uh, and then the last hint was traded for Jeffrey Springs and Chris Mazza. Well, and fun fact, that is one of only three trades the Red Sox have made in their history with the with the Tampa Bay Rays. In the history of both franchises, yeah. it was like a nothing trade in 1998. After I think is after the expansion draft, then the Nathan and Valdi for Jalen Beeks trade, and then Jeffrey Springs and Chris Massa for uh, Ronaldo Hernandez and Nick Sogard. All, all per- the last two pretty relatively significant trades. So, yeah. All right. Uh, anyone have any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, there we go. That is a long episode of some minor leagues talk here uh, from Pesky Report. So if you're somehow still listening, uh, congrats. I don't know how you are, but you are. Um, For Hunter, for Jake, my name is Dark. Thanks for tuning in to the Pesky Report, and we'll see you next time.